Our Bible reading tonight is from the book of Acts, chapter 9, verses 1 to 19. Meanwhile, Saul was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. He went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues in Damascus, so that if he found any there who belonged to the way, whether men or women, he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. As he neared Damascus on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting, he replied. Now get up and go into the city and you will be told what you must do. The men traveling with Saul stood there speechless. They heard the sound but did not see anyone. Saul got up from the ground, but when he opened his eyes, he could see nothing. So they led him by the hand into Damascus. For three days he was blind and did not eat or drink anything. In Damascus, there was a disciple named Ananias. The Lord called to him in a vision, Ananias. Yes, Lord, he answered. The Lord told him, go to the house of Judas on Straight Street and ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul, for he is praying. In a vision, he has seen a man named Ananias come and place his hands on him to restore his sight. Lord, Ananias answered, I have heard many reports about this man and all the harm he has done to your holy people in Jerusalem. And he has come here with authority from the chief priests to arrest all who call on your name. But the Lord said to Ananias, go, this man is my chosen instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles and their kings and to the people of Israel. I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. Then Ananias went to the house and entered it. Placing his hands on Saul, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord, Jesus, who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here, has sent me so that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately, something like scales fell from Saul's eyes and he could see again. He got up and was baptized, and after taking some food, he regained his strength. Saul spent several days with the disciples in Damascus. Thanks, Amy. Thank you also, Stu, for moving this thing up because I, I, was, I was worried about how I was going to do it. I, it, wasn't going to go, it wasn't going to go well. Um, hi, everyone. My name's Ethan. Uh, it is excellent to see you all here tonight. Um, I just wanted to start tonight's sermon uh, with a little story. Uh, I was, and actually, sorry, this is a story that may, I may get heckled at, um, because I'm not 100% sure on all the details. Um, and there's other people in the room that know better. Um, I was about four, I think, when I became a Christian. And that's the first detail I don't actually know. Is that right? Yeah, cool. Um, I'm doing well thus far. Um, the story goes, I was sitting in my car. Uh, sorry. <laughs> there we go. I was sitting in my parents' car. Uh, it was a Volkswagen Beetle. And uh, my parents were taking me uh, on, they were driving to a skate park where dad was going to um, do a talk to a whole bunch of uh, teenagers and he was practicing that talk with mum in the car. And he got to the point of his talk 
where he said, oh, if you guys want to become a Christian, here's what you've got to do. You've got to believe in Jesus and repent of your sin and follow him. And little Ethan in his car seat at the back goes, I want to become a Christian. And much to my, I assume, parents' excitement, um, they pull over the road and they prayed with me. Uh, and I became a Christian that day. Um, and my life has never been the same ever since. Ever since a moment that I don't actually remember. Um, I tell that story because it's not a particularly spectacular story. Um, and it's certainly not the extent of my Christian walk. There has been many ups and downs ever since. Um, but that's where it seems to have started. Uh, it, it's also a little bit different to what we heard read just then. Uh, there was no flash of light, there was no blindness, there was no scales. Um, I told that story because it's not very much of a story in terms of being interesting. And like I said, I don't even remember it. Uh, it's just something I've been told I did. Some people in here have much more exciting stories than I. Um, and on the flip side, some people in here can't pinpoint a particular time when they became a Christian. And again, there are some people in here that don't even have a story yet, because they're not Christians yet. These stories, no matter what they're like, I think they're really, really important. Because they are radically life-changing stories. At Soul Revival, uh, we say a lot. Uh, that Jesus changes everything. And these stories are a great example of Jesus changing us. Tonight we are looking at a story very similar, with a lot more excitement in it, um, and it is one of my favourite parts of the whole Bible, so I'm already very excited, if you can't tell. Um, tonight we're looking at how Jesus changed Saul, uh, and how Saul partnered with Jesus to change everything. And before we get into this amazing testimony, I'm going to pray, uh, and so if you would, wouldn't mind bowing with me as I pray. Heavenly Father, I pray that you can speak through me tonight, that your spirit can move on the hearts and minds of everyone in this room in response to your word and your grace. Amen. So, to understand this story and unpack this story properly, uh, we've got to figure out how much Saul actually changed. Uh, well, for starters, uh, his name changes eventually. Uh, he actually goes by Paul, which is uh, what most of us know us by, know him by. Um, but to avoid confusion, I'm actually going to stick with Saul tonight. But I wanted to say that because if I end up just shifting and calling him Paul, I'm talking about the same guy. Um, I'm doing that because it matches the Bible readings I'll be going from. Um, the, the biggest change you see in him is not his name. Instead, let's, let's just look at what he was like from chapter 9, verse 1 and 2, which will be on the screen. Uh, meanwhile, Saul was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. He went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues in Damascus so that if he found any there who belonged to the way, whether men or women, he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. Saul was breathing murderous threats against the people who followed Jesus. This guy hates Christians. A little bit more evidence of that was, if you were here last week, uh, Stu unpacked and talked about Stephen, who was stoned to death because of what he was saying uh, about Jesus. 
And that story ends and Paul, uh, sorry, Saul, here we go, Saul was standing there, a witness to that, and people were laying their cloaks at his feet. Murderous threats indeed. In Acts 8, uh, we find Saul went on to destroying the church on the screen from verse 3. He was going from house to house. He dragged off both men and women and he put them in prison. In Acts 26, 11, later on in Acts, he's, he's actually telling his testimony, he's telling this story. Uh, and he says about himself uh, that he was so obsessed with persecuting the Christians that he hunted them down in foreign cities. And so that's where we actually get to in this story. Uh, he leaves Jerusalem, where he has been doing most of his uh, persecuting, and he travels approximately 240 kilometers from Jerusalem to Damascus on a desert road to hunt some Christians. This man was obsessed. What makes this particularly interesting is that he was totally and utterly convinced that he was serving God. He was a Jewish leader who we find says about himself in Galatians 1, he was extremely zealous for the traditions of his father. This man was convinced, uh, the sorry, extremely zealous for the traditions of his fathers. Uh, he was convinced that these Jesus followers were nothing but bad news for God and the Jews. He even seeks authorization from the high priest to carry out this persecution in Damascus. He's got legal authority on his side from the Jewish theocracy, so he thinks he's totally justified in his actions, but we know that he's wrong because Jesus was God's plan all along. That was a really long way of unpacking the fact that Saul was probably as far away from following Jesus as possible. He actually says it so himself in 1 Timothy 1, 15 to 16, and that'll be on the screen. Uh, here is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am the worst. Of whom I am the worst, the worst of sinners. Sin in its simplest form is rebellion against God. And what bigger rebellion than this? the mass persecution and often murder of God's people. Before I move on to the rest of the story, I just want to really quickly unpack this 1 Timothy passage because I think it's excellent. Um, so let me read this whole thing. It'll be on the next slide. Uh, here is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am the worst. But for that very reason, I was shown mercy so that in me, the worst of sinners, Christ Jesus might display his immense patience as an example for those who would believe in him and receive eternal life. Paul, in his letter to Timothy here, is saying that God saved him so that we would see God's grace and God's patience and God's mercy in us and that we may believe. For if Jesus can save Saul, then he can certainly save us. And he can certainly save you too. So that's a bit of background. So let's, get to the, let's, get to the, let's get to the crux of the story. How did Saul become a Christian? Well, Saul is hunting Christians so vehemently and so passionately that he leaves Jerusalem. He's walking along the Trans-Jordan Road through the desert 
Uh, it's around noon, which he says later in Acts, in tw- chapter 22 and 26. And so we, we, we know the sun is at its peak in the desert. I don't know if you've ever been to the Australian desert, but it gets pretty hot and the sun is pretty bright at its peak. So the desert sun is shining at its brightest and suddenly a light flashes all around him. It is so bright and it is so sudden and so shocking that he falls to the ground. A really cool little fun fact here is that the word flashed used here is the same word that is used in the Greek to describe the light that comes with lightning. It is that kind of intensity. Uh, This is a side. Uh, there was a guy I met on a camp. Um, we were both speaking on this camp, and um, he shared his testimony with me, and he said that he became a Christian when he was making toast one night. And he was in his kitchen making toast, and his kitchen had a little window in front of his toaster, and so he's standing there in front of his toaster waiting for his toast, looking at the rain in his yard. Um, and all of a sudden, a bolt of lightning strikes just outside his house just outside his window. And he says that if he had been touching anything at that point, everything got fried. And he just happened to not be touching anything and not, he didn't die, which he was just mind blown by. And in that moment, on that ordinary night, night, he saw a strike of lightning and thankfully, in, 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 um, yeah, in thanks, turned to God. And he became a Christian that night. That night changed his life. Uh, Saul's lightning level light is actually more than just lightning. That was just a cool story. Uh, Because when Saul falls to the ground, he hears a voice call out to him. Uh, It'll be on the the screen for verse 4. I didn't say this earlier, but if you want to keep your Bibles out, I'll just be going through this whole passage um, uh, that you heard read. But this is on the screen. Um, He fell to the ground uh, and heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. I am Jesus whom you are persecuting, he replied. Now get up and go into the city and you will be told what you must do. The risen Jesus, the one who Saul had been against, the one whose people he had been killing and imprisoning is before him in such brilliance that his light outshines the midday desert sun. This brilliant light, Saul knew, could only be from God. So he asks, who are you, Lord? And the response, I'm not going to lie, must have chilled him to his bones. I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. My friend feared for his life after the lightning, but I can only imagine Saul freaking out at this point. He is so sure that God is the one speaking to him and finding out that, 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 <laughs> that this is Jesus, who he was sure was dead, who he hates and whose people and followers he has been um, trying to get rid of. Saul realizes he was wrong in that light in the, with those words. And that the Christians were right. Jesus is God. Saul gets up and he looks around at the men who were with him, uh, who heard the sound but did not see anyone and realizes he's actually not looking around at the men that are with him because he is blind. He can't see a thing anymore. And so those men have to lead him the rest of the journey to Damascus. The passage here is really cool. It actually shifts perspective now. And we, uh, we hang out with Ananias 
which uh, we heard read from verse 10. Um, And God speaks to him, Ananias, in a vision uh, and tells him to go to Saul and place his hands on him and restore his sight. But in verse 13, uh, we see Ananias knows all about Saul and he is justifiably scared. Saul's coming here to persecute me, God. I don't want to do this. He's famous for the harm he's done to Christians in Jerusalem. Um, But you know what Ananias does? Ananias, uh, at God's request, goes to Saul anyway. Isn't it amazing what God does through his people? I, I, this week, uh, I was hanging out with some people, uh, and I was hanging out with a lovely uh, elderly lady who was retired, and we were just chatting, and um, she shared her testimony and her story about how she became a Christian. Uh, her, she was in a park. Her daughter was really young. At this point, she was, it was many years ago, and she was in a park, and she was just chatting to uh, another mum who was there in the park, and as you do, you go, oh, I really like your sweater. She was wearing a nice sweater. And the lady's response was, oh, a, a, a woman in my, um, uh, a lady in my prayer group knitted it for me. And they got chatting from there. They ended up exchanging numbers. And my friend was in a Bible study and going to church a week later. The wild thing is that the mum with the sweater, she never goes to that park. She had never been to that park. And she, like, she regularly goes out with her, had regularly gone out with her daughter, but never to that spot. Those two ladies only ever met once afterwards. But, uh, but my friend says that that is the woman who is the reason she became a Christian. Uh, the, on, their, on their second meeting, the, the sweater mum said um, that she reckons the Holy Spirit moved her to go to a different park that day. Isn't that beautiful? She didn't go to that park, my friend wouldn't have met her and tied her up, linked her up with a church and become a Christian. That is truly miraculous, isn't it? Isn't it beautiful how God uses his people every day? So God used Ananias like he used the sweater mum, but in a far more spectacular way. The sweater mum was the only way I could think of to stick to uh, saying the difference between the two. Um, verse 17 is on the screen. Um, then Ananias went to the house and entered it. Placing his hands on Saul, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here has sent me so that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately something like scales fell from Saul's eyes and he could see again. He got up and was baptized and after taking some food, he regained his strength. And that's the story. How Saul was blind to the truth of Jesus and then literally blinded by the glory and light of Jesus, and then healed because of the grace of Jesus. How Saul met the risen Jesus and repented from his incredible rebellion and then was saved, and it is an amazing story. That is so fun to tell, and that's why I wanted to reiterate it tonight. Uh, From it, I actually just wanted to take a moment before we go on uh, to say... uh, I think it's actually really cool, these, these testimonies. Uh, and I want to encourage you guys with something tonight. Uh, as we go into dinner, uh, I would really encourage you to tell each other your stories. With the people you're sitting at over dinner, it's a really easy question of, how did you become a Christian? Uh, and that conversation can go for ages. If you're not a Christian here tonight, and you don't believe a word of the stuff I'm saying up here, you think, oh, Ethan sounds a bit of a crazy person. Talk to the people you're having dinner with tonight. Ask them, how did you become a Christian? And ask them why. 
These stories are an example of how Jesus has changed and is still changing every single one of us. 2,000 years after this, after Saul's walk in the, to Damascus. They're really important, they're really cool. Uh, so much so that actually at Saul Revival Church, uh, this is just an aside and a plug, um, but we have a testimony podcast called Chip Lunch. You can talk to Joel all about it. Um, every episode we ask, uh, how do you like your chips? And how did you become a Christian? And then we talk for about an hour. So if, if nothing, if you don't want to go listen to it, you will get from that that the conversation over dinner could last for ages with that one question. It's really cool. Anyway, back to the Bible. What did Saul do next? Well, as Ananias was first told to go to Saul, he freaked out, understandably. Um, but the Lord insisted and said in verse 15 and 16 on the screen, go, this man is my chosen instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles and their kings and to the people of Israel. I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. Uh, I'll leave that up there for a little while as I recount the next uh, few verses after he was baptized. But if you want to open your Bible, you can kind of read through as I paraphrase uh, this stuff. But literally, straight after this, and straight after he becomes a Christian, he begins to preach in the synagogues, straight away. He was telling everybody about Jesus. What a, just a, what a turnaround there, right? Um, immediately, he's flipped. In saying that, after a matter of days, the Jewish people there tried to kill him, and he had to get um, snuck out of the city in a basket through a hole in the wall. He returned to Jerusalem and tried to join the disciples, but they were all afraid of him and didn't want to talk to him until one of the guys, Barnabas, speaks up uh, and lets him in uh, to their group. Uh, and then, a little while after that, the Jews try to kill him again. And this is just verses 19 to 30. Saul suffers for the name of Jesus from the first few days of his Christian walk to the last where he is executed, executed for his faith. And you know what that man said about that suffering, that particular type of suffering? In Romans 5, he writes that we glory in that suffering. That's a whole sermon in itself, so I won't go there. But it does beg the question, doesn't it? For those of us that are Christians here tonight, what are we doing now? What's our reaction to our salvation? Um, I was sitting at dinner uh, with a man on a Saturday night a while back, uh, who happens actually to be here tonight, um, and so I'm going to butcher this one too, um, who, who told me his story about how he became a Christian. Um, I think, if I remember correctly, that he became a Christian when he was about 40, and the next day, uh, he enrolled in more college. Because he was so passionate about serving God that that was his first response. Now, my application of the sermon today is not go straight to more college. That's not what I'm trying to say here. But isn't that an amazing first step? So what are we doing now with Christians? Well, Saul's first response is sharing the good news. How are we going, how are we going with that? So arrival? Are we sharing our faith with people in our schools, in our workplaces, our universities, our book clubs, our soccer clubs, our golf clubs? Now, it's not easy. Actually, uh, some, I, was, I learned about these things on Friday, which was really cool. Um, there's this cool app uh, called The Gospel in Six Words that you can download if you want a tool 
that can help you sharing the gospel. Um, Lewis is over here writing notes. Uh, he knows more about it than I do, so you can talk to him about the Gospel in Six Words app because um, we were talking about it on Friday. If you're at West Ride, Joey knows, knows about it, so chat to him because um, we chatted about them. But it's a really cool tool. Uh, at Soul Revival, we have a tool we call the uh, Colors of Life. Um, and if you want to chat to, there's a bunch of us know how to use that, so I could talk to you through that at another time. Um, if someone wants to make us a Color of, Colors of Life app, that would be great. Um, it would be an awesome tool to use to share the gospel. Um, but you know what? That's something you could do. You could make an app. It doesn't have to just be sharing the gospel as the, as the next bit. It's not just preaching the gospel that is a response to the salvation that we have been given. There's a team of people who are here at Kiriwi every week on a Thursday cleaning the church. There's a bunch of people outside and upstairs uh, missing church to do kids' chill right now and look after uh, the children at Xorobile. There's a bunch of people giving their money incredibly generously to the work of Xorobile. There's people making uh, meals for the sick and struggling here at Xorobile. And then there's heaps of people doing stuff not at Xorobile. The point is, has this message, has this salvation changed your life? When you guys talk about it over dinner, uh, and I really hope you do. A really cool next bit after the how did you become a Christian um, is sharing what you're doing now, who you're talking to, who you're praying for, and who you're helping. It's beautiful to share those things with one another and encourage one another to continue doing those things. Some of this is super hard. That's why I encourage us to do it together because some of it ends up being suffering giving stuff up for the gospel. And it may seem strange, but my prayer is that as a church, as a community, we are doing what we are called to do. That is, suffer for the gospel. It says in, one, uh, in 2 Timothy 1 verse 8, this same guy who um, became a Christian on the road to Damascus says, uh, Do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord or of me, his prisoner, Rather, join with me in suffering for the gospel by the power of God. It's a pretty wild call. To join Saul in his suffering for the gospel. That stuff I listed before, that, that's what it is. It's, it's doing something with the grace we've been given. Now, not everyone here is a Christian. And that last bit was great application uh, for the people that are. But I just want to finish uh, my sermon here tonight... Uh, by talking to you guys. My question for you is why not become a Christian right now? Tonight's as good as any night. It's, it's uh, not in the back of a Volkswagen Beetle. Uh, it's not at a flash of lightning or in a park with a random woman with a nice sweater. Um, and it's certainly not, I hope, on the way to kill some Christians. <laughs> <laughs> But these are, all, these are all spaces that people have become Christians. Instead, it's sitting... <laughs> oh. It's sitting in a seat that is probably a bit uncomfortable and thinking, what am I doing here? Why am I here tonight? In West Ride, here in Kiriwe. The answer is, I think... Because the Holy Spirit is working on your heart. 
It's the light of Jesus saying, come follow me. Because I have washed away the darkness of your sin. I saved Saul and he hated me. So why wouldn't I save you too? Because I love you. And I want to be in eternity with you. And if you want to respond to that, all you need to do is say, God, I know that I am a sinner. I am someone who has rebelled against uh, God. And then ask for forgiveness through Jesus. And say, I believe you sent Jesus to die for my sins and that he rose again. I turn from my sins and invite you to come into my heart and my life. And I want to trust and follow you as my Lord and Savior. And if you're in your seat thinking, Ethan, you've just talked at me for 20 minutes and I'm not going to become a Christian because of that. Well, let me read from the Bible one of my possibly one of my favorite verses in the whole thing. Acts 26, I mentioned earlier, um, uh, about which was, it's a passage where Saul is on trial. Um, he's in chains. And he's, he tells his testimony in that trial to King Agrippa, as you can see on the screen. And Agrippa replies to the story in verse 28. He says, do you think that in such a short time you can persuade me to become a Christian? And Paul's response is awesome. In verse 29, it says, Paul replied, short time or long, I pray to God that not only you, but all, you are listening, all who are listening to me today may become what I am, except for these chains. And so I want to repeat Paul's statement tonight. This short sermon or, this long, or a long-term low-key relationship, I pray that all who are listening to me today may become what I am. Because it's not these stories that save you, it's Jesus that saves you. His death and resurrection. I want to pray now, uh, just to wrap up. And if you want to make this prayer your own, just say amen, which simply means I agree. I agree. Heavenly Father, we know we have sinned and rebelled against your way to live. Tonight, I ask for your forgiveness. I believe you died for my sins and rose from the dead. I turn from my sins and invite you to come into my heart and life. I want to trust and follow you, my Lord and Savior. Amen. Uh, if you prayed that for the first time tonight, tell someone. Let someone know. Uh, you let me know or someone you're chatting with over dinner because uh, that's super exciting. Uh, we'd love to pray with you further. Um, yeah. Bye-bye.